Welcome back to Mark's Madness. Oh, man. The levels are probably good on your side. I trust that they are. But God, in my <laughs> no, ear. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, in my ear. It's so bad. Oh, guys. Oh. All right. This is this is the suffering we will do for you. This is this is this, this is how looks, we're going to do this. It normally looks like little spurts, and right now it looks like like the map of the Great Lakes. It was the levels oh, were not good on that. Oh Jesus, fantastic! <laughs> all right, well, guys, I apologize. This is all going to be it's going to be a hot mess, but we uh, we we refuse to either one die or two uh, not produce the show on a week to week basis. So yeah, yeah, um, no, those are those are the two things I tend to avoid. Those are two things that we will not we will not cross, and so you are getting, I think, for the second time in in Mark's Madness history, the remote edition of Mark's Madness, where we're not in the same room. None of us are happy, um, but you know it's here, it's here, and it's what we're going to get, and we're not going to skip a week. So that that's that. Um, I don't really want to talk that much about the coronavirus. Um, okay. Not not for any like ideological reason, just like if if you crave coronavirus content and you were waiting for our take, I don't I love you, but I don't I don't have it. Um, It's it's nonstop. It's all I've listened to for the last month of my life. I want to never hear the word again. I was going to say, I, I mean, we'll probably wind up with some take, but I don't know how it relates to this book. So it would, yeah. be, a, it would be a current event if it happens. It'll be a current event if we get there and if we get yeah. enough, you know, if there's weird takes that I feel like need. But right now, I'm, I'm very much in the sense of I appreciate any organization that is doing anything to try and do mutual aid for people during this time. And I'm not here yeah. to uh, equivocate on it or try and, like, pick the one that I think is doing it best. Just everyone do anything you possibly can to to help these people, to help anyone that's being affected by this. And uh, and and use, I mean, I think that the times are great for showing how this is exposing the contradictions in the system and and use it for that. But but right yeah, now, I mean, we're in survival mode. Don't let your organizing stop. Uh, homeless people especially still need food. Uh, homeless people and our houseless. I got to get better about that. Houseless, I know. Yeah. Ho- houseless people and uh, people in prisons uh, need soap very, very badly. Yes. Um, and, and certain prisons do not allow hand sanitizer. Uh, even yeah. though everyone's kind of in a little box there together. So keep that up. Uh, also keep up uh, whatever material support you can offer the uh, Wet'suwet'en people yes. because uh, Canada is using this as an opportunity to blast through their pipeline because yep. Trudeau is a giant piece of shit like the rest of the ruling class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I don't think there's anything. I mean, again, I think we're, we're seeing we're seeing it all come to a head. Um, and there are plenty of podcasts. I mean, I know Rev Left are doing great works on this. I know mm-hmm. I think Red Menace just did a great episode on this. Um, Dumb and Awful have been talking about it. I think the last two episodes, the last episode they had uh, uh, Dr. Brad on. So we, we got <laughs> got medical opinion on that. So I just don't think there's anything unique that I'm going to offer in this space. It's going to be that uh, that that exciting. So we're going to do we're going to we're going to be a dose of normalcy and we're just going to do the thing we do all the time, which is read the damn book, because if there there's one go. thing we can if there's one thing we can be doing right now, it's sitting around and reading books apparently read not books. though apparently all of you apparently all of you were listening while you were at work and and more power to you i'm actually happy about that because the fact that you were that you are stealing company time by listening to our our podcast gives me a warm feeling in my heart so so just keep that up guys um but i'm just saying if you're at home still listen you know we're still here we're still out there we're, still, we're not going away it's okay. we still exist we're still here we're still, still trying to feel theory. relevant come on. <laughs> still come on. come on still trying to read 
Um, I you know what it was? It was Animal Crossing. That damn Tom, yeah, I, damn raccoon came in and stole our listeners. I barely know what the fuck Animal Crossing is. I think I, it's a Nintendo thing because everything, every picture I've seen looks like something off the Wii. And <laughs> and it I mean, sounds the, you like do know some the Wii kind is of, over a decade old, right? Like, just shut old, up. Well, and over I, a decade. I swear to God, it's like Sim City on an island with a Wii mm. and I, maybe it's the video game people mm. were complaining about when it first came out. No, about, it just came out two days ago, 48 hours. Okay. Ago. Then I don't know. I don't need, cause there was it a video is, game like a couple months ago that was rightly getting complained about for maybe glorifying colonialism about landing on an Island. I don't get it. I don't know no, any of these things. I don't, I don't own so. a Nintendo switch. And when I played a Nintendo switch, I played basically a Tetris game. It's, it's very fun. <laughs> um, uh, no, animal, animal crossing, animal crossing is just a delightful, uh, uh, monamine drip into your brain it's just happy chemicals pumped directly into your brain there's some nostalgia elements for people you just sit around and you farm stuff it's like stardew valley ah. or harvest moon or anything in that form you just farm and you make a little town and you, you poke at it and you interact with people and get some some social interaction that way it's just a happy thing where nothing bad happens and everyone needs that in their life but it is run by a parasitic uh uh capitalist tycoon of a raccoon man and his two children that he's using as child slaves uh to uh to extort you for large sums of money in order to to, uh, to own property. So it's a very good simulation for what we're dealing with right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for something called Animal Crossing, that's pretty deep. I expected, uh, like, when I heard that name, I expected some kind of weird-ass frogger. So yeah, No, no, no. Look up look up Tom Nook. Just look up videos of Tom Nook, and you'll see hours of people just going on about how, how uh, that psycho raccoon is is a, just smiling the whole time as he <laughs> takes you to capitalist hell. It's, it's fun <laughs> and exciting. That being said, uh, we have a limited amount of time because we're doing yes. this now while David's child is sleeping. So guys, we're going to start reading the book. Uh, as always, we are starting on page... Tw- well, not as always. Um, if we start on page 20 every time, we, this <laughs> we never get anywhere. Podcast. That'd be a fun podcast. Let's start that podcast. We read the same 10 pages every week over, for over. until we I feel literally like- just do them in our sleep. I feel like we would lose listeners, but we'd be really you good know, at those 10 pages. It would pages. be a really good social experiment. It would be a really fun... It'd be some Andy <laughs> Kaufman stuff. Come on. We got to do something in quarantine. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Here, then, were two labor movements, the movement to give the black worker a minimum legal status, which would enable him to sell his own labor, and another movement which proposed to increase the wage and better the condition of the working class in America. Now, largely composed of foreign immigrants and dispute with the new American capitalism, the basis with which the new wealth was to be divided. Broad philanthropy and a wide knowledge of the elements of human progress would have led these two movements to unite and in their union to become irresistible. Ooh. Hey, labor movement, how are you doing? Uh, It was difficult, almost impossible, for this to be clear to the white labor leaders of the 30s. They had their per particularistic there we go holy cow grievances and one of these was the competition of free negro labor beyond this they could easily vision a new and tremendous competition of black workers after all the slaves became free when they did not see or understand was that this competition was present and would continue and would be emphasized if the negro continued as a slave worker on the other hand the abolitionists did not realize the plight of the white laborer especially the semi-skilled and unskilled laborer while the Evans brothers, who came as labor agitators in 1825, had among their 12 demands the abolition of chattel slavery, nevertheless, George was soon convinced that freedom without land was of no importance. He wrote to Garrett Smith, who was giving land to Negroes, and said, I was formerly like yourself, sir, a very warm advocate of the abolition of slavery. 
This was before I saw that there was white slavery. Oh, God. You wonder you wonder why people call that takeout for racism. Yeah, yeah. A little white slavery to go on a little side of white genocide. Just get all the good ones oh, in there. God. Get all the hot takes in, guys. God, that's awful. Then uh, reverse racism. Reverse racism. Reverse racism. <laughs> Since I saw this, I have materially changed my views as to the means of abolishing Negro slavery. I now see clearly. I think that to give the landless black the privilege of changing masters now possessed by the landless white would hardly be a benefit to him in exchange for his serenity of support in sickness and old age. Weird. Although he is in a favorable climate, if the southern form of slavery existed at the north, I should say the black would be a great loser by such a change. At the convention of the New England Anti-Slavery Society in 1845, Robert Owen, the great champion of cooperation. Why is there an umlaut over that? Oh, I don't know. That Are you seeing no it though? Sense. It's there, I right? I see it. Yeah, there's crazy. definitely okay. an umlaut over I've the second been, owed cooperation. Oh, that is a lot. Okay. Said cooperation. He was opposed, cooperation. <laughs> said he was opposed to Negro slavery, but that he had seen worse slavery in England than among the Negroes. Okay, now. Um, this is getting a little interesting. Uh, Horace Greeley said the same year, if I am less troubled concerning the slavery prevalent in Charleston or New Orleans, it is because I see so much slavery in New York, which appears to claim my first efforts. Thus, despite all influences, reform and social uplift veered away from the Negro. Brisbane, Channing, Owen, and other leaders called a National Reform Association to meet in New York in May 1845. In October, Owen's World Conference met, but they hardly mentioned slavery. The abolitionists did join a National Industrial Congress, which met around 1845 to 1846. Other labor leaders were openly hostile toward the abolitionist movement, while the movement for free land increased. Thus, two movements, labor-free soil, oh, that's the look like land, and abolition exhibited uh, fundamental divergence instead of becoming one great party of free labor and free land. The free soilers, (laughs) come on, people, you got to have a better name than that. (laughs) Come on. The loose bowel movements uh, stress the difficulties of even the free laborer getting hold of land and getting work in the great congestion which immigration had brought. And the abolitionists stressed the moral wrong of slavery. These two movements might easily have cooperated and different. There's another umlaut, guys. It's a visual right joke. It's, it's consistent. a visual joke, but uh, you have to be here. Um, but the trouble was that black and white laborers were competing for the same jobs, just, of course, as all laborers always are. The immediate competition became open and visible because of racial lines and racial philosophy. And particularly in northern states where free Negroes and fugitive slaves had established themselves as workers, while the ultimate and overshadowing competition of free and slave labor was obscured and pushed into the background. This situation, too, made extraordinary reaction, led by the ignorant mob and fomented by authority and privilege. Abolitionists were attacked and their meeting places burned. Women suffragists were hooted. I, laws, I don't want to know what I that don't is. want to know what that is. I'm assuming it's some version of catcalling, but the way he puts it in here, I hope it, I mean, I assume it was a worse it version. It could be something much know. worse. Yeah, I don't much know. Much worse. I don't know. 
Um, laws were proposed making the kidnapping of Negroes easier. That seems um, okay. And disenfranchising Negro voters in conventions called for purposes of reform. David, I'm tired. Can you read? Yeah, no. And before I read, I mean, because I feel like we we just jumped through a lot of content hoops there because we jumped that was through a page and a half. David, don't don't get like jam packed page okay. and a half, though. Okay. okay, so we're we're talking we're we're going back to the concept uh, where these things are maintained by the ruling class snatching stuff away and creating this competition, and then like. You know, basically, we talked about before, you throw a knife and, and do a bunch of kids and, and say, you know, go at it, right? Except that there's certainly a favorite class within those kids, and yeah. you're taught that those kids, that they're the reason you don't have more. You know, it's not it's not the ruling class keeping things away from you and having a plenty. It's that stuff snatched away. So you're taught you deserve all these great things. Uh, oh, by the way, you can't have them. You suck. And uh, it's those other other suffering people that are taking them away because they dare to want to not die. Um, and that's, that's how this whole thing's maintained that carryover. But now also we're seeing, you know, some of these storylines of how, uh, white specifically chauvinistic, but uh, chauvinistic, uh, class reductionism is used kind of as a horrible, horrible bludgeon. And that was to take away slavery. And it's even working against its own interests, you know, Oh, the, the slavery in New York, the slavery in, in England, it's like, it's not like you aren't serving masters are exploited yes. but it's it's far less than and it's what we it's what we talked about last time which is that it, every everyone tries to on um, so, tries to equivocate or or tries to make their experience well it's almost as bad as slavery. well it's a different kind of slavery. i know slavery because i work a job and right like we got on last time stop ever yeah. comparing your working conditions to chattel slavery. This it's, is not a, a whole other level. suffering. This is not what this is. Like you can recognize that your conditions are bad and theirs are worse and, and not need to try and, and mediate the two. Right. Right. I mean, we talked about this, you know, uh, when we talked about Haiti and their revolution and when uh, basically, you know, Dessaline, cause he had been, I think it was Dessaline that did this, but he had been stabbed in the back by uh, freed, or uh, uh, white laborers that, that said they were there to free the slaves, you know, white abolitionists that seemed good. And that's why they essentially went through three revolutions, collapsed in a very short time before you got the real Haitian revolution. And that's why, you know, I mean, he, he made it very clear. It's only French people he had a problem with. He traded with America and, and everything like that. But he literally killed every white person there. And it's not a genocide. Um, it was justified because of the horrors of chattel slavery. Um, whereas our revolution, we'd be justified certainly killing, you know, as many as necessary. And that's up to the ruling class of how tight a grip they would want. But going through one by one and just killing the rest of them to, to drown them out, we, we wouldn't be justified for chattel slavery is a whole nother love. Yeah. In a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, of course, equating that is, is, I mean, you Bad. can see very plainly how, how racist and how that's bludgeoned right here. Um, and then the last thing is, of course, you know, that's working against their interests. And we talked about this way back in, in Capital, um, probably volume or uh, volume, volume one. <laughs> volume probably one, chapter. You know, <laughs> before we did volumes two and three, y'all remember, right? We did them. Back to the gaslighting. Uh, it, was probably, it was probably chapter 21 or 26. It was probably right at the beginning of that 26 to 32 episode because Mark's talked about this about, you know, I mean, the worker can't be free until the, uh, the he called it Negro slave was free um, because basically you know they're they're the same kind of competition and they're even more acute you know i mean you see this with prison labor now that the crime the victim isn't really you it's the prisoners and that's what you should focus on and and when they're not put to work for far too little and used to slaves that's 
it's even worse conditions when they're when they're you know caged away and and you know uh, put in solitary confinement and stuff. That's that's you know a really difficult thing to to get your head around. And yet the slavery is already bad, but the slavery also works against you when they're working for seventy five cents an hour. Now all of a sudden, you know, if you need want to do the same job, well, those jobs aren't there, and no one's going to be paying at least minimum wage for it. They're going to go get the prisoners to do it for seventy five cents an hour. Okay. You know, and you had the same thing with chattel slavery, right? They go have a bunch of people pick cotton for free. Now there's going to be less jobs. So um, I will grab up the reading we just did reform. So the uh, humanitarian, yeah, yeah, the humanitarian reform. Yeah, the humanitarian reform movement reached. Ooh, okay, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, humanitarian reform. That wasn't movement. an umlaut. That wasn't an umlaut reaction there, guys. No, no that was my computer just played okay. tricks on me. I'm gonna need. An, I'm gonna need an umlaut drop sometime <laughs> for this episode. I'll find it. The humanitarian reform movement reached its height in 1847 to 1849 amid falling prices, and trade unionism was at a low ebb. The strikes from 1849 to 1852 won the support of Horace Greeley and increased the labor organizations. Labor in eastern cities refused to touch the slavery controversy, and the control which the Democrats had over the labor vote in New York and elsewhere increased the tendency to ignore the Negro. So, I mean, again, you know, this yeah. is it, it's, it's flipped now because uh, obviously, you know, Republicans becoming the more acute ruling class uh, society was always going to be true uh, after. Well, uh, oh, no, oh, no, go me wrong. Like Dems are. Yeah. I, uh, OK, OK. <laughs> There's a party that plays offense against you at full speed. And there's a party that play that tells you they're playing defense and then plays offense against you at like 90 nine percent speed and that one percent is an actual difference even if it's minimal and people should stop caring about it but it, it is there at this time though uh there was a flip the dems you know actually cared a little more about labor um than they do now uh obviously not a ton because they're still a ruling class party they were always a bourgeois party uh but they were also the the more acutely racist ones so that that you know the anti-labor party uh, being more acutely racist was uh, inevitable, but that wasn't the way it always was. That was a big, important part of the flip, because even when Republicans were, you know, the the abolitionists, the reconstructionists, uh, and they were certainly supported the taxes, uh, yeah. they weren't necessarily supporters of labor. No. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, uh, I think it's stressed. Uh, yeah. Oh, there we or go. No, they stressed. It, yeah. Yeah, they stressed land reform but said nothing about slavery, and the organization eventually was captured by Tamani Hall. Uh, after 1850, no, stop, stop, no, and we're not. This is not an edit. Stop. This is. A, I'm gonna. This is. I wish you were here because I would have come across the podcast at you. Did you just pronounce Tammany Hall as Tamani Hall? <laughs> Sorry, it's the most famous incident of like political corruption in history. Uh... It invented the political machine. It's like the one thing I actually remember from middle school, high school history class. This is, it's, Boss I don't know Tweed, how this. Tammany Hall, they ruled New York politics. Definitely not remembering in spite of me usually I, being the, the like very like knowing David. all the acute things. This is, this is, this is egregious. This is not. I'm this, sorry. This is bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spencer pronounced Baylor Balor on the podcast the other day, and and I made fun of him for roughly fifteen minutes straight. This is almost as bad, and I'm I'm, on a, I'm you, upset about it. You would think with all with all of the the history things I collect uh, I as, would, as part of my communist education, I would, you I would are come my communist encyclopedia 
and I don't Tom know this Utanica, one. and yet you, this one, like, it, the, the ha, all right, now hold on, guys, I'm sorry, the Hamarkiot Affair? I don't, I don't know, I hadn't, I've only ever seen it written, I never heard it said, guys, sorry. <laughs> God damn it. That's a new one for me, it's, it's new. Uh, Vladimir Ilyayach Lenin? Lenin, I think is his name. Uh, again, sorry, I've only ever seen it written down, this is a new one. Nathan, this, this hurts. It should. <laughs> Self-crit is painful sometimes, deal oh. with it. All right, I will. All right, you can proceed from Tammany Hall. Tammany Hall. After 1850, unions composed of skilled laborers began to separate from common laborers and adopt a policy of closed shops at a minimum wage and excluded farmers and Negroes. Although the movement was killed by the Panic of 1857, panic. eventually we don't be- have depressions, guys. Panics. Yeah, we don't have depression. We don't have panics. It eventually became triumphant in the 80s and culminated in an American Federation of Labor, which today allows any local or national union to exclude Negroes on any pretext. And of course, AFL CIO merged uh, have an explicit CIA branch in there. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, just, yeah, just hey, for CIA good. or laborers okay. too. Yeah, right. Kudatas are labor. Don't try and minimize their labor. <laughs> Uh, other labor leaders became more explicit and emphasized race rather than class. John Campbell said in 1851, will the white race ever agree that black shall stand beside us on election day upon the rostrums in the ranks of the army in our places of amusement in places of public worship, ride in the same coaches, railway cars or steamships? Never, never. Oh, or is God. it natural or just that this kind of equality should exist? God never intended it. Had he so willed it, he would have made it all one color. God I was, damn, it's John fun, Campbell it's was fun a when I don't know. It's fun when I don't know who the person is. Like, I don't know who John Campbell is. His name oh. means nothing to me. So I'm just reading through. I'm like, he's asking questions. Is he on our side or their side? Wait for is, Oh, there's the turn. There's you, I was going to say, were you waiting with bated breath? <laughs> I didn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy. He was asking very open-ended questions. I needed to know. <laughs> turns out the, turns out, no. Turns out, spoiler alert, he's not, he not cool. Not cool. Not good. All right. Uh, new labor leaders arrived in the 50s. Herman Kriege and Will Wilhelm Wheatling left their work in Germany and their friends Marx and Engels and came oh! to America. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> woo, woo. I'm, ret- I'm retaking air horn. I'm retaking air horns. I'm reclaiming that. It's mine now. <laughs> and came to America, and at the same time came tens of thousands of revolutionary Germans. The socialist and communist papers increased, trade unions increased in power, and numbers held public meetings. Immediately, the question of slavery injected itself, and that of abolition. Can we just for a second pause on the concept of the revolutionary Germans? Man, that yeah. was a wild, there was a wild time for a hot second there in the world where they were. <laughs> I mean, it's the smallest window in human history because any other time you hear revolutionary Germans, you start getting real worried. But for like for a hot 45 seconds of human history, they were cool there. Yeah, I mean, there was a time where like that was where Marx and Engels, everybody, everybody thought Germany was going to be the the leader when the even when the USSR first popped up before it flipped to Nazi Germany. Like Lenin still thought, okay, well, but. German labor is going to take over. That, that yeah. That's where all the socialism is going to start. Kow- Kowski just, definitely thought so. Kowski sure as shit thought so. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> and, his, and his grand Pappy Bernstein, they're not actually related, but it's his ideological <laughs> but, we like to think, but we like to think. We like to think that because that's the only goddamn explanation. <laughs> oh, goddamn. Uh Kriege began to preach land reform and free soil in 1846, and by Man. 1850... Gotta stop. Gotta stop saying that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I just stop I with blood and soil nonsense. I was gonna say I don't like hearing free soil. I just I don't I just like don't, it. I don't like I it don't. because I don't know if it's 
knowing that this country ripped the land away from indigenous Americans and I think it's that that's that. an explicit genocide is mostly that, but also it just, it does have that blood and soil sound. And I just, I don't, I don't like Especially those things going together. And the Germans are the ones pitching it. Like, yeah, like that's not good. That's not tight. good. No, getting no, getting, getting iffy. And by 1850, 600 American papers were supporting his program. But Kriege went beyond Evans and former leaders and openly repudiated abolition. He declared in 1846 that we see in the slavery question a property question which cannot be settled by itself alone, that we should declare ourselves in favor of the abolitionist movement if it were our intention to throw the republic into a state of anarchy, to extend the competition of free working men beyond all measure, and to depress labor itself to the last extremity, that we could not improve the lot of our black brothers by abolition under the conditions prevailing in modern society, but make infinitely worse a lot of our white brothers, that we believe the peaceable development of our society in the United States, and do not, therefore, here at least, see our only hope and condition of ex- the extremist degradation, and that we feel constrained, therefore, to oppose abolition with all our might, despite all the opportunities of sentimental Philistines, and despite all the poetical effusions of liberty-intoxicated ladies. So, okay, well, the Germans are out. The Germans are out, guys. <laughs> yes, uh, let's be very- another forty-five seconds on this show. Yeah, that didn't cool. that didn't last any damn time. So, I mean, didn't let's be very hold. clear now. What what happened wrong with the CPUSA? Obviously, white chauvinism. We've we've been through that with with Harry Haywood. One. Once or uh, twice. Once or twice. Um, now you can see that that just like this country and the entire subtle colonial slavery built structure that, that cannot be reformed and needs to be upturned was poisoned from the start. Even the Communist Party in the United States was poisonous from the start. These were the, the, the Marxists that came over from Germany setting Liberty things up. Intoxicated ladies. Guys, yeah. You thought Liz Lads was good. You thought Bernie Bros was there. No, 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 no. <laughs> liberty intoxicated, intoxicated ladies. These ladies now are getting Liberty Green tattooed on them. Back then, they were just drinking it up. Oh, don't bring up the the Liz Lads and tattoos. Since oh, we we're no, just talking on. about blood and soil because that was just on. what what was it? Blood and teeth or something like yeah, that? It just yeah, it blood, sounds yeah. it's almost blood and soil, and it sounds more fascist. Close. And it does and actually. You somehow managed to make it sound more like fascist. <laughs> more fascist than the fascist calling card, and then they're gonna get fucking tattooed, and then some like high up Liz campaign i don't know what this girl was like shaved half her head and tattooed it on her head and when her hair is down it covers the teeth part so you think it says blood and soy like what the fuck is wrong with people yeah people are people are having a back then yeah it was just the liberty the liberty intoxicated ladies ladies wilhelm wetling who came to america the following year 1847 started much agitation but gave little attention to slavery he did not openly side with the slaveholder as kriege did nevertheless well step in the right direction then (laughs) that's yeah there you go big improvement big improvement that's there's there's our good centrist communist right there (laughs) i love that i love the idea (laughs) i need that guy (laughs) <laughs> the corporate shill communist <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless there was no condemnation of slavery in his paper the first in the first german labor conference in philadelphia under wheatling in 1850 a series of revolution resolutions were passed which did not mention slavery but kriege and wheatling joined the democratic party and numbers before the immigrant germans did the same thing and these workers therefore became practical defenders of slavery doubtless the know-nothing movement oh, against Jesus. the foreign-born forced many workers into the democratic party despite slavery the year 
1853 saw the formation of the Arbenturmbund under Joseph Wadenmeyer, a friend of our daddy Karl Marx. Yeah. This organization advocated Marxian socialism. I have never seen it written like that. Okay. Uh, but never got a clear attitude towards slavery. In 1854, it opposed the Kansas-Nebraska bill because Kansas and Nebraska suck. I'm joking. Yeah. Hey, hey, Brad, yeah. what's up? <laughs> we live in Missouri. We get it. We have to poke. We have to do what we can. Come on. Kansas, uh, I, don't, I don't get into the college stuff and, and no. the slave state between the two, but Kansas is supposed to be a rival. That's what's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. So, supposed and Nebraska Nebraska is the one that I, I forget is there most of the time, but most people forget Missouri is there. So, you know, solidarity with our yeah. forgotten brother. Brothers and sisters, uh, <laughs> capitalism and land speculation have again been favored at the expense of the mass of the people. This bill withdraws from or makes unavailable in a future home in a future homestead bill vast tracts of territory. Oh, good. Let's make them unavailable. Why are we making them unavailable and authorizes the future extent further extension of slavery? But we have do now and shall continue to protest most emphatically against both white and black slavery. You even had to put the white slavery first, didn't you? Yeah. You couldn't have just let you, you had not why. only did you include it, you led with it. That's good. That's good. Nevertheless, when the Arbon Turband was reorganized in December 1857, uh slavery was not mentioned. When it's so, new organ huh? Oh, I was gonna say, so at first there, you know, you have the actual good friend of Karl Marx, not just like, you know, associated supposedly revolutionary German actually saying like, yeah, no, fuck slavery, even though they're doing this white equation. But a year later, it's just gone. Yeah, it's gone. So, it yeah. Gone. When its new organ appeared in, eight, in April 1858, it said that the question of the present moment was not the abolition of slavery, but the prevention of its further extension and that Negro slavery was firmly rooted oh. in America. No, One no, small no, no, division no. of this organization in 1857 called for the abolition of the slave trade and the colonization of Negroes, but defended the Southern slaveholders. Oh. Why? Why? This oh. feels like the kind of people that are like, well, we have to be nice to Liz Warren supporters. Otherwise, they won't be on our team. <laughs> No, no, you don't. No. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's ever explained this to you. You don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> not how it works. <laughs> empirically, not the case. Politics are not being as nice as possible to your most powerful enemies. It's, yeah, you could, I mean, not being nice to your neighbor because you're caring about them, but you like show yeah. them care by by out the, the serve the people programs. It's not about like being classy, you know, no. in in the public to no. to your opposition. In 1859, however, a conference of the Arbon Turband condemned all slavery in whatever form it might appear, all right, and demanded the repeal of the Fugitive Slave Law. The Democratic and pro-slavery New York's Staatszeitung counseled the people to abstain. I'm I'm part I have German in me, so I can the, the pronunciations are on, and you can't call me on it. Um, abstain from agitation against the extension of slavery, but all of the German population did not agree. Of course, as the Chartist movement increased in England, the press was filled with attacks against the United States and its institutions, and the Chartists were clear on the matter of slavery. Their chief organ in 1844 said that damning stain upon the American escutian, escutian, I, yeah, I, I don't know, know what, what that word that means, is, is one that has caused the Republicans of Europe to weep for very shame and mortification, and the people of the United States have much to answer for at the bar of humanity for this indecent, cruel, revolting, and fiendish violation of their boasted principle that all men are born free and equal. The only time England has ever been in the moral right on any issue in the history of ever. Yeah. <laughs> because, let's be clear, <laughs> 
you set the bar very low by coming at us, but I get it. Like, nah, call it where, <laughs> call it where you can. The labor movement in England continued to emphasize the importance of attacking slavery, and the agitation started by the work of Frederick Douglass and others increased in importance and activity. In 1857, George I. Holoke sent an anti-slavery address to America, signed by 1,800 English working men, whom Karl Marx himself was guiding in England, and this made the black American worker a central text. They pointed out the fact that the black worker was fun furnishing the raw material with which English capitalist was exploiting together with the English worker. This same year, the United States Supreme Court set now the Dred Scott decision that Negroes were not citizens. How many times at this book have we already read it? Just these last two pages, like Karl Marx, good. Even a lot of his immediate followers, like racist shitheads. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No, Karl, Karl, Karl's get it. And Um, and that's something we have today. You know, again, as Marxists, we need to we need to remember that. Just because fighting. we have better theory and we we yeah. have a better grounding for what we are does not make us immune from being awful, horrible fucking Right, people. right. The Marxist is not a get out of racism free card. No. <laughs> like, we no. have to fight on both these fronts, you know, full force at, yes. at all times. Also, uh, I did look up uh, Escuchian. Oh, uh, good. Also, it's also called Heralti. It's like those English, you know, those shields they have, like their family crest shields in England. Yeah. That's what the escutcheon is, is the actual shield part, apparently. That's that's dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. So stupid. if your family has a coat of arms, that's so I guess the American coat of arms is stained with slavery is what they're if saying. If your family has a coat of arms, get fucked. I mean, I feel like that's a fairly. Is that no? Yeah, enough? I get it. I get it. Okay. And that, that it's a very English term. But if you read that sentence now, like that damning stain upon the yeah, American yeah, excuse, they're basically yeah. They're basically say like on the American coat of arms and the shield with like four parts or five sections or whatever. Like one of the sections is slavery, and that fucks up the whole coat of arms. So it's a very <laughs> it's a very snooty English way at a very good to do a very good dick. Yeah, no, it's the Economist. They're doing a econ- yeah. they're doing the Economist. <laughs> Let's, let's call it where it is. This English initiative had at first but limited influence in America. The trade unions were willing to admit that the Negroes ought to be free sometime. <laughs> That's got to be a good position to take. Well, you know, you know, we got to get there eventually. <laughs> but at the present, self-preservation called for their slavery. And after all, whites were a different grade of worker from blacks. Oh, good. We're into this now. Even when the Marxians stop calling it that ideas, I, I have seen that. I've seen that before. The only times I've ever seen it is is in a very negative sense. But I have not. I hate. I've not so seen it much. Much. It's usually it's usually something I've seen uh, by the very anti-Marxist anarchists, which yeah, again people, is not is not all anarchists out there. But there's no. some that you know their their identity is to oppose Marxism, and I've I've seen that. But that's the only time I've seen it. So I've never seen it like just used by a, a you know good revolutionary in good faith. But well, this was a different time. It's a different time. We've established that Du Bois, du Bois had his uh, his his shortcomings at a time. <laughs> yeah, well, this also, is one of them. You could you could also see part of why I mean on these pages too because he's looking at the that's, Germans you know come what? over that's and follow Marx point. and yeah, that's a yeah, damn I mean, good point. If that's what he sees of Marxism, he's like, yeah, I mean these these class ideas are good, but look at these motherfuckers. So They're yeah, still I mean, racist. No yeah, no, no wonder it took tracks. him a while to, to hop on. Even when the Marxian ideas arrived, there was a split. The earlier representatives of the Marxian philosophy in America agreed with the older union movement in depreciating any entanglement with the abolition controversy. After all, the abolition, oh, yeah, after all, the abolition represented capital. 
The whole movement was based on mawkish sentimentality and not on the demands of the workers, at least of the white workers. And so the early American Marxists simply gave up the idea of intruding the black worker into the socialist commonwealth at that time. Uh, Yeah, we evolved. Yeah, we know the CPUSA. Yeah, no, and it's again there is there is problem, and this is it being detailed. Yeah, yeah, this is this is what happens when you when again you have a you're not your base is not always going to be the one thing that's changing everything. Again, this is a big superstructure problem in America that and we saw it through the 30s. We've seen it. We see it today that there in you know racism, (laughs) violent racism in this country is a huge huge factor to the way we structured capitalism in america and well, if you yeah, don't it, attack that you're not gonna ever get again we need we theoretically if we up if we rip up the whole base and go from there then then we'll start impacting the superstructure but uh, I'm, I'm less and less convinced that you're gonna be able to do the one without the other like inherently sure and i mean of course you know i mean any term can be abused at times and i've seen abuse of this but there's a reason the term class reductionism exists it's a very very bad thing um so it's something we talked about before too you know i mean if you're sitting around looking at your organization going why is my organization so white well it's probably because your politics are white and the same thing reciprocally you know i mean if if you're going to fill your organization with white people especially the time when abolition of slavery had not been accomplished yet uh your politics are going to probably come out pretty white you know i mean so you've got to attack it both fronts you've got to get representation in there and you've got to motivate the representation by actually having the politics that represent these people not it's not just tokenization and not what you think represents these people what they are what these people actually want again i'm seeing right if they're saying like our number one concern is abolition of slavery and you're going yeah we don't really need that you know you're fucking it up you're doing it wrong yeah you're you're doing it wrong um god uh in the united states oh no i lost it there the abol- no, to this logic the abolitionists yeah, were increasingly it. opposed it seemed to them that the crucial point was the matter of freedom that a free laborer in america had an even chance to make his fortune as a worker or a farmer but on the other hand if the laborer was not free as in the case of the negro he had no opportunity and he inevitably degraded the white laborer the abolitionists did not sense the new subordination to which the worker was being forced by organizi- organizing capital, while the laborers did not realize the exclusion of 4 million workers from the labor program was a fatal omission. Wendell Phillips alone suggested a boycott on southern goods and said that the great cause of labor was paramount and included mill operatives in New England, peasants in Ireland, and laborers in South America who ought to not be lost sight of in sympathy for the southern slave. So, again, that's an interesting thing. Say, hey, you know, don't don't forget it's, you know, we need to care about the slave. We need to include them in our movement. But it's not just the slaves. You know, you have these immigrants and these other colonized people. Yeah, the Uh, white people. Come yeah. on, David. The white slaves. Don't forget about the white slaves. God damn it. Uh, in the United States, shortly before the outbreak of the Civil War, there were 26 trades with national organizations, including the iron and steel workers, machinists, blacksmiths, etc. The employers formed a national league and planned to import more workmen from foreign countries. The iron molders started a national strike July 5th, 1859, and said wealth is power and practical experience teaches us that is a power but too often used to press and degrade the daily labor year after year the capital of the country becomes more and more concentrated in the hands of few and in proportion as the wealth of the country becomes centralized its power increases and the laborer classes are impoverished and therefore becomes as men who have had to battle with the stern realities of life to look this matter in the face there is no dodging the question let every man give it a fair full and candid consideration and then act according to his honest convictions what position are we the mechanic 
Mechanics of America to Holden Society. Holy hell! <laughs> Iron Molders, go off kings and or queens <laughs> if you were allowed in. Holy shit! That, I mean, that, that could have... I mean that's yeah. it. That's that's yeah. the that's the juice. That's it. You yes. nailed it in one. Um, it's, fuck, <laughs> it's pretty solid there. I could copy paste that and put it in a t- couple tweets, and that's equally relevant right now as it was in 1859. Like, and they didn't cite the iron worker who said it, so I'm not copyright infringing anyone. So just give me two seconds while I go tweet <laughs> this real quick. Hold on, hold on, hang on. Tweet. Wealth is power. All right. Yeah, I got it. Definitely not waiting on that. Okay. No. There was, (laughs) there was not a word in this address about slavery, and one would not dream that the United States was on the verge of the greatest labor revolution in its sea. Oh, shit. Hold on. Hang on. (laughs) Untweet, untweet, undo. Other conferences and other molder machinists and blacksmiths. No, we got to, we got to pause for a second then. Okay. That's, that is interesting because I heard that whole thing. And you were like, wow. And then there wasn't anything about slavery. Yeah. My entire response is, yes, that is absolutely accurate. That is absolutely true. Maybe. um, Is it because I'm coming from a position where it is post? Like, if I heard that today, I'd be like, yes, that is accurate because there isn't the slavery issue hanging over. But I don't know. I Yeah. I mean, the question is, the question is, because we're obviously still talking about slavery and not being included in the labor movement. And so that, that technically should be on your head, but it's hard to get that in in your head because we don't live in a time where chattel slavery is not been abolished yet right in and, america, and at, at least, least it's yeah in at least a technical sense in america hmm. um so you know okay. we maybe maybe it's that level of chauvinism like like it's a, a time because that's fitting you know it's not necessarily white chauvinism or it could be some level and, and we got a self-crit there but no in, in the concept that i don't yeah i yeah i I want to say I don't have white chauvinism, but that's like impossible. <laughs> like this is, yeah. not, I've been, I've been heavily into, I've been heavily, you know, embracing and diving into Marxism for less than three years at this point to think that I have like purged white chauvinism as a concept from myself is right. Ludicrous, ludicrous at best. And if I ever give off that impression, fucking someone comes. Slapping. Yeah. But I, I um, I'm not sure what it was there, but yeah, I mean, if you ignore context, there's a lot of things out of context. Okay. Like, if you know, context, yeah, that you that you it's exact correct reaction, but yeah, it's in 1859, and we're yeah. we're talking about the the abolition of slavery being ignored. So and something yeah. I, so then I think that does actually. And sorry, not to not not to kind of derail on this point, but I do think this is this is one of those times where I think it's really relevant. Um, so I think that can be said for a lot of things happening right now. When you talk about class reductionist. I think this is kind of back to where that comes to a little bit. So like we, you could give almost that exact same speech right now and it would still be accurate. Yeah. Does the fact that you are exclude that you are not centering or not even kind of acknowledging the, the, that in black and indigenous people should probably be at the forefront of this kind of a thing and that they have a, that they suffer, you know, way more uh, acutely under this system. Should that be brought up? Um, should the fact that I, I think the, that's got to be a major focus. Yeah. I think, so, and I think, know. but I think that's relevant. I think that goes back to, so I read this. I'm a white male in mm-hmm. the imperial core. I read that and I go, fuck yeah. 
but does that mean so if 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 I had let let me go to I don't want to say Twitter, but let me let me go walk America right now and give that to a bunch of people. And is is that gonna give everybody the same fuck? Are they gonna go? Well, wait a minute, that's not the thing that I'm actually most focused on. Like here, that's your thing. That's not my thing. That's not that's not actually centering the issues that we're dealing with as a people. That's that's your particular bailiwick or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I, I don't well, know. It, Context is a big deal too. I actually I got to take this to a, a, a funny thing I saw on Twitter the other day. No, please, uh, God, because I'm I'm going down so, a rabbit hole now. Where I'm like, I'm to so Air, no, 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 no. I mean, it's self credit. Take your time on it, man. Um, but so Airbnb is uh, allowing cancellations, of course, this coronavirus. Because I mean, they should, oh right? Uh, and, you, and is it the video gentrifying the the soul Yes, <laughs> gentrifying landlords. <laughs> gentrifying landlords are real goddamn mad uh because they're they're getting canceled and there's this guy that's going off and if you don't know like anything he's talking about you're like oh he's talking about exploitation he's right they're making money off your stuff that's bullshit except that like he's a fucking gentrification pony that's a landlord complaining about his labor complaining yeah i mean like he's not having any labor exploited like this is this is my toilet paper i mean like he's bitching about not hoarding toilet paper and it's so funny because he's trying to be angry in this little rant video and the only type of mad he knows is get the manager mad. And so yeah. like he's yelling in, please let me see the manager. Like he's it, hilarious. The, no, he's not even yelling in, please see the manager. The video was explicitly directed to the CEO of Airbnb as if he, uh, this little individual, whatever the fuck is going to just like has a right to just blow it up to the CEO of Airbnb. Right. He has, uh, he has 1000%. Let me see your manager energy. Which yeah, is exactly like when Laura Ingram got on Twitter the other day and was like, Americans need a definite uh, timeline for the coronavirus and to know where this will end. We can't live in this uncertainty. And everyone's like, are you asking to speak to coronavirus's manager? What are you doing? There was not a word in this address about slavery, and one would not dream that the United States was on the verge of the greatest labor revolution it has seen. Other conferences of the molders, machinists, and blacksmiths, and others were held in the 60s, and a labor mass meeting at Faneuil Hall in Boston in 1861 said, The truth is that the working men care little for the strife of political parties and the intrigue of office seekers. We regard them with the contempt they deserve. Hell yeah. We are weary of this question of slavery. Not yeah. It is a matter which does not concern us. Mm-hmm. Sure, it doesn't. Even and less, we, yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Increasingly less, yeahs. Uh, and we wish only to attend to our business and leave the South to attend to their own affairs without any interference from the North. Well, Ooh. all right. We went from fuck yeah all the way to negative yeahs in the sense in the span of like two sentences. That is an impressive turnaround. My There's friend. that they've had us in the first half meme just personified. Exactly, they had us in the first half meme. Holy. <laughs> shit uh, in all this consideration son of a bitch god that was good in all this consideration we have so far ignored the white workers of the south and we have done this because the labor movement ignored them and the abolitionists ignored them and above all they were ignored by northern capitalists and southern planters they were in many respects almost a forgotten mass of men Cairns describes the slave South, the period just before the war. It resolves itself into three classes, broadly distinguished from each other and connected by no common interest. The slaves on whom devolves 
all the regular industry, the slaveholders who reap all of its fruits, and an idle and lawless rabble who live dispersed over vast plains in a condition little removed from absolute barbarism. Okay. From all that that had been written and said about the antebellum South, fuck it, one almost loses sight of about 5 million white people in 1860 who lived in the South and held no slaves. Even among the 2 million slaveholders, an oligarchy of 8,000 really ruled the South. While an observer said, for 20 years, I do not recollect ever to have seen or heard these non-slaveholding whites referred to by the Southern gentlemen as constituting any part of what they called the South. They were largely ignorant and degraded. Only 25% could read and write. The condition of the poor whites has many times been described. A wretched log hut or two are the only habitations in sight. Here reside, or rather take shelter, the miserable cultivators of the ground, or a still more destitute class who make a precious living by peddling light wood in the city. These cabins are dens of filth. The bed, if there be a bed, is a layer of something in the corner that defies scenting. <laughs> I don't know why that's humorous to me. Uh, if the bed is a nasty... If the bed is nasty, what of the floor? What of the whole enclosed space? What of the creatures themselves? Pull! Water is in use as a purifier is unknown. God, <laughs> people, their faces are bedaubed with the muddy accumulation of weeks. They just give them a wipe when they see a stranger to take off the blackest dirt. The poor wretches seem startled when you address them and answer your questions cowering like culprits. Holy shit, people. God damn. Yeah, that's God. I mean, God damn. Old old Olmstead, there it is, said, yeah. I saw as much clothes packing, filth, and squalor in certain blocks inhabited by laborers in White's Charleston as I have witnessed in any northern town of its size and greater evidence of brutality and roughly character than I have ever happened to see among an equal population of this class before. Two classes of poor whites have been differentiated. The mountain whites and the poor whites of the lowlands. Oh, good. Our Appalachian mountain whites. Come on. Yes. Mandatory OT boys. Come on down. <laughs> we're we're going to do it. Oh, my God. Uh, below a dirty and ill-favored house down under the bank on, a sh on the shingle near the river sits a family of five people, all ill-clothed and unclean. A bleary-eyed old woman, a younger woman with a mass of tangled red hair hanging about her shoulders indubitably suckling a baby a little girl with the same auburn evidence of scotch ancestry didn't know we hated the scotch a boy and a younger child all gathered about a fire made among some bricks surrounding a couple of iron saucepans in which a dirty mixture looking like mud but probably warmed up sorghum syrup which with a few pieces of corn pone makes their breakfast Okay. I don't even know what the fuck sorghum syrup or corn uh, are but okay. I don't want I to have them you uh you want sorghum molasses yes you do you 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 oh. get you go down you take yourself down you get on the i-44 you keep going until you hit roughly the springfield area you're gonna hit a lambert's you're gonna go into that lambert's you're gonna get your roll you're gonna ask for some sorghum molasses they're gonna slather it on there it's like <laughs> syrup if syrup was better um and i will okay. hear no ill against sorghum on this podcast all so, right i'm just saying them dems be fighting words <laughs> Um, but holy shit, these people have such contempt. These people have as much contempt for poor people as I imagine Brett Stevens does, like on an oh, average yeah. day. Like, yeah, holy 100%. shit. This is like some like wild caricature level shit. Yeah, I mean, you know, that the wonder where the term white trash comes from. And obviously, you know, this is the class of people above the slave. That's how shitty the slaves have it. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, Mo- the, the, the yeah. South is shit. <laughs> no, these are the people, this, this these yeah. are the people that are going to argue that slavery is okay because the slaves have it better than these people, Dave. You forget. That's oh, what yeah. Gonna, that's that's what they're going to try. Yeah. To yeah. Which is, is just straight up not true. But that's, I, oh, I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's a big pile of shit for everyone down there except the ruling class. And exactly. that's the way the, the South 8, is now. 000, the 8,000 oligarchs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 8,000. And, and again, you know, I mean, the South is, is, basically that now you know I yeah mean, i mean it's basically the eight thousand descendants of the walton family are the only ones yeah. living well in the south um yeah. that this all tracks and and some drug kingpins in the florida area if you consider florida sure. the south but you know we all everyone makes your own decisions there i'm not here to tell you what's the south uh <laughs> mo- most of them are illiterate and more than correspondingly ignorant some of them had indian ancestors oh here we go here we go and a few bear evidences of negro blood well now we've explained it the so-called mountain boomer the most dangerous boomer of all uh (laughs) says an observer has little self-respect and no self-reliance yeah that sounds about like every boomer i know uh (laughs) david is cringing over on the other side of the phone my teeth are gritting grit away get on it gritty uh so long as his corn pile lasts the cracker lives in contentment oh we got cracker used in context for the first time that was fun uh feasting on a sort of hoe cake made of grated cornmeal mixed with salt water and baked before the hot coals with the addition of what game the forest furnishes for him is that some sort of cornbread that he's describing are they dicking, I, are they dunking on cornbread because if so i, I will think not they're trying to dunk on cornbread which if is not right because cornbread is cornbread, delicious fuck unless you put sugar in it in which case you're a monster um <laughs> or corn in it holy fuck i've run into that <laughs> The irregularities of their moral lives cause them no sense of shame, but notwithstanding these low moral conceptions, they are an intent of an intense religious excitability. Oh, good. We made the trifecta of, of the white trash stereotypes there. We got the yes. religion in there right at the end, right at the end. They snagged <laughs> that one in there. Also, David, it's not on topic, but we're basically at the end of the episode. And by basically, I mean, we are at the end of the episode. Y'all can fast forward now if you want to, because I'm going to make fun of David for, for his, oh his Catholic church becoming Lutheran all of a sudden oh um, no <laughs> have you, what what take do you have catholic catholic man on uh on the oh. pope saying take your take your grievances to god because oh, no. we can't do confession right now sorry oh no it's and martin so luther martin luther just like shaking it like yeah i told you <laughs> let's let's remember let, that I've never thought of the Catholic Church as a beacon of goodness. No, I just David, thought of but it as the it, church I grew up going to. You have one fault, okay? And I must exploit it because it's the only time I can ever oh, feel like I'm on an equal playing field. It's it's so bad. It's so bad. Oh, oh it hurts. Oh, it's, the memes it have been so good, though. The it memes hurts. Have been so good. It, I brought that up to my wife, and she just looked at me and told her head. She's like, I don't know what any of that means. I'm like, yeah, no, that, tra- that tracks, Catholic girl. That makes sense. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Um, not really, though. He's not here right now. Um, so, guys, uh, I don't know if you know, but this has been your first. Uh, no, your second. Your second remote episode of. I was going to say my other podcast because I'm used to doing that when there's only one of us in the room. But this has been Mark's Madness. We do that thing. Um, for obviously, yeah. I mean, I think everyone listening now, if you don't, I mean, we've made reference to it uh, for the foreseeable future. 
better or worse, this is how we're going to have to be podcasting. Uh, so, so audio, we will do our best. This is obviously not the ideal setup for us from an audio standpoint. We will try and smooth it over so that it is, you know, we're not taking away from your listening ability. But, um, if, if you guys have any ideas or anything else like that that you want us to do instead, we're, we're, we're open. But I, like I said, I think for the time being, the upshot of this is that since we're doing them remote, we're going to try and keep them to once a week so that if there is something really, really pertinent, we can talk about it, uh, as it's happening. Um, yes. But also just because, you know, I'm now podcasting and working in the pod, I'm working in remotely in the pod cave. So now I'm just going to be doing podcasting during work hours. So, I mean, it's, it's all, all bets are off now, guys. It's, <laughs> it's going to get wild up in here. Um, but that said, if you want to, if you want to talk to us, um, the easiest ways you can email us, uh, Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Y'all know that. Uh, it's Mark's Madness Pod or at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. Um, DMs are open. You can come come hang out. People do, and I appreciate all of you. Um, if you want to talk to me, and after this episode, because I know David has Discord up now, and he has proven to me that he knows how to use it. Uh, one of these days, David. Um, <laughs> the the Dumb and Awful Discord. Uh, Dumb and at Dumb and Awful Show. You should listen to their podcast too, because it's just, it's just delightful. But if you don't and just want to hang on the Discord too, you can do that and talk to me there. That's where I. If you're gonna find me on the internet, that is the easiest place to to, to find me at. It's a picture of Marx's face on Mister Smee's body. Uh, don't ask questions. Why? Don't don't think about that too hard. Um, that being said, David, you got anything on your side? Anything? Uh, no, that's to? Oh, no, that's all I got today. That's all you got today. All right, fantastic. Well, this has been Nathan. This is David. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.